It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book release. This is episode 367, and today we are talking about books being released on June 21st, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Tears of hello! Hi, Liberty! How's it going? <laughs> All right, how about with you? <laughs> um, pretty good. We're being kind of silly because... We're actually recording this show for a second time. Oh, it's like deja vu. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, I already know all the books you're going to pick and what you're (laughs) going to say about them. We had some technical difficulties yesterday and files were lost. And so we get to chat again. Yes, it's always lovely to chat with you. Although hopefully we won't have to do this again under these same sort of circumstances. Yeah, no, I will refuse next time. Okay, fair. It would be fair. We will just have to record... You know, a singing a song or something that's in the yes. public domain because I, I can't, I don't know, but I have the energy to do it again. I know. <laughs> I'm very tired after I record. It's hard work being a human Muppet. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's it's a weirdly social thing. Like, you know, you're just sitting in your own room and there's nobody else there, but you're like really excited and you're talking about books and then you're talking to another person. And then at the end, I'm like, wow, I just like went to a party. Only it was a podcast recording. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I'm always very tired when I get done recording. But let's see. What else? What else is going on? Uh, It's a beautiful day in Maine. It's like 30 degrees cooler than it was yesterday, which is mind-boggling to me. Although it's New England, so that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone has been so nice. People keep sending me messages and, like, DMs and texts because the Celtics lost the, the finals. And uh, it's really cute. I like that I am you know, have a brand. Um, but I'm over it. I'm fine. I'm one of those people that is really just like, I just want both teams to have fun. You know, <laughs> so I'm not like, I look at, at the internet at people now, you know, Celtics fans, like just frothing at the mouth about, you know, ah, they're a bunch of bums and all, you know. And I'm yeah. just like, really? Like, don't you have anything else to do? <laughs> They made it to the finals. Like, they were one of 30 teams, you know? Like, only two teams out of 30 get to do that. And you're all mad at them. And it's like, nah, I don't care. <laughs> right. They did a good job. But, you know, some people are so much more invested in sports than I am. I'm just like, I like to look at their sneakers. We're <laughs> sitting in the crowd. This is all exciting. Oh, so. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm fine. I'll be okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll live another season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what's so fun. I am kind of interested in the draft, though. I've never watched, like, an NBA draft, and it's, like, next week on ABC. I didn't even, like, know that this was, like, a big 
like televised event <laughs> until I started watching sports. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. That would be cool. I wonder what a kitten draft would look like. <sighs> that would be exciting. Oh, and I got cute kittens for all the cute kitten drafts. Yes. You have like a, a parcel of kittens. We do. It's kind of just wild. I think I've mentioned on this show before that I live in a town where there's no animal control or shelters or anything. And, and in fact, there's nothing for like more than 50 miles in either direction, nothing in our county. And I live in a town where we have a really big feral cat problem. Um, so we have like taken on a lot of cats that we just, I mean, we feed them every day. Like we'll feed anybody who shows up, but we have like our resident over. cats. Yeah, they, they definitely, they hang around and we like know who they are. And I will feed any cat that comes to our door, but my partner has like this very strict hierarchy where they're like, the priority is like our resident cats. And then after that, anybody who shows up and doesn't pick fights can have food. But our <laughs> resident mama kitty, who we just call mama kitty, had two kittens and now they are about six weeks old and they're finally being like really curious and we're trying to socialize them and they're just adorable. Aww. Yeah, and you keep posting photos of them on our work Slack, and one of our coworkers <laughs> is like, "I'll take one." She's gonna drive. Yes, she's gonna try. Yeah. We're gonna we're really trying hard to socialize her so we can give it. Yes, give like this really cute calico floofy home with one of our book rat coworkers, which I love that we keep the kitties in the book rat family. Yeah, it's cute. I myself would drive across the country to get one, <laughs> but my husband said no. Well, the price of gas these days. <laughs> Sometimes I have to, I need him to be, like, reasonable about cats, you know? I'm like, we should have mm-hmm. more cats. He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, how many cats kept you awake last night? I'm like, three. <laughs> He's like, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, but they're so cute. I know. My partner's always like, our next cat and our next cat and our next cat. And I was like, I don't think we're going to live long enough to have this many kitties. <laughs> but I love your optimism. Oh, so, all right. We talked about weather and cats and now we're going to talk about books after we hear from a sponsor. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. Okay, and actually, I told a fib. Before we talk about books, I want to remind you that Book Riot is hiring a digital marketing manager. You can see the position at bookriot.com slash join dash us. It is a remote position, and you can find out the jurisdictions by looking at the job listing. And we want to remind you that we are an equal opportunity employer, and especially looking for applications from individuals from marginalized communities. So you can check that out at bookriot.com slash join dash us. All right. So my first pick for today, I don't even know how to succinctly discuss this book because there's so much going on. And I'm going to say so many words that people at home are going to be like, I hope, I hope someone's checking on that woman because <laughs> she's just, she's just all these words. It's The Ballad of Perilous Graves by Alex Jennings. 
This is a debut, and it's so ambitious, and it's so great. It's set in two versions of New Orleans. One version is a city where the dead walk the earth, and they drive taxis, and they appear out of nowhere to play pianos and just, like, serenade the citizens and then just kind of, like, go away. And people can use spray paint to, like, put graffiti just on the air. Like, you can go out of your house and look and there's, like, graffiti hanging in the air. And trolleys drive in the sky. And there's a young girl who has superhuman strength. And this is just a world that you're dropped into. Like, you have to be ready for it because from page one... You just gotta go with it because it's happening right then. There's no like leading up to it. It's like you're in it. So be ready for that. So in this version of New Orleans, there's a young man named Perilous Graves and he has a sister, Brandy, and they discover that there is a wraith, uh, an evil ghost, who has stolen the nine songs of New Orleans that keep the world together and is going to use them to or keep them from people in order to bring chaos and let evil loose on their city. And they discover that they are the only ones who can do this. They're the only ones who can save the city, along with the help of Peaches, the girl who lives across the street who has superhuman strength, which we don't know why she does. She just does. She can lift cars. She's like Superman. And you just got to go with it. And it's great. So these three are going to try and beat this wraith and save their city. But now there's more. There's a whole other story in the New Orleans that we know in our world involving a trans man named Casey and his artist cousin, Jalen. They live, like I said, in this New Orleans, except they've started to notice that some like weird things are going on in their city. And that's because the other New Orleans, the New Orleans of magic and spirits, is starting to bleed through into our world. And then Jalen goes missing, and it's up to Casey to figure it all out if he wants to see his cousin again. There's just so much in this book. It's full of music and mayhem and ghosts, and it's so wildly imaginative. And like I said at the beginning, it's really ambitious. And and I mean this in the nicest way when I say it's almost too ambitious. There is so much going on. Um, there's dozens of characters to keep track of, but it, it's worth it. Like, hold on for this ride because it's a really good time. It's really fun, and I loved it. It's The Ballad of Perilous Graves by Alex Jennings. Oh, and I want to give content warnings for violence, death, and racism. So there we go. Now, The Ballad of Perilous <laughs> Graves by Alex Jennings. I do enjoy a book where, you know, you have to be like, you just have to go with it <laughs> because yeah. that's usually a good yeah. sign that it's going to be a wild but fun ride. Well, I mean, like the very first like page, like the very first paragraph, I believe there's like a man, a ghost, like playing a piano in the middle of the road. And I'm like, what's happening? But it's partially <laughs> my fault because I did not, it's all my fault. I did not read the description because you know how I like to read books without like knowing what they're yeah. about. So I probably would have had a better idea about, like, ghosts and stuff. But I was just like, we're doing this. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I love it. All right. My first pick for today is Vera Kelly, Lost and Found by Rosalie Connect. And it is actually the third book in the Vera Kelly series. And so I'm just going to give, like, a quick overview of what the series is about. And then I'll tell you what this particular book is about. Um, and I do want to note that it's helpful i think to read these books in order even though they each have like their own sort of contained like mystery and plot you see a lot of like vera kelly's um 
the character development, which I think is really valuable and what I love about this series. So Vera Kelly, it starts with the first book, Who is Vera Kelly? She is like a 20-something young woman who is a lesbian. And in the first book, it takes place in the late 60s. You know that she is a CIA operative. And she is doing her thing and she is like presenting sort of like an unglamorous view of like spy work but then things heat up when the CIA abruptly withdraws from the country that she is currently living and spying in and she has to find her own way home. So the first book is about her being a CIA operative. And then in the second book, she makes the shift to civilian life when she becomes a private investigator. So the third book, Vera Kelly Lost and Found, which is now today, is about Vera, who has finally found a girlfriend that is good for her. They're living together. Um, They have a wonderful circle of queer friends who are accepting of them. But they're not, you know, obviously really open and out in a public way because it's 1970 at this point and not a super great time to be out and queer in public. And so the book starts with Vera's girlfriend um, is from LA and she finds out that her parents are getting a divorce and something's kind of fishy about the whole situation. And she says to Vera, like, we've got to go to LA and, you know, make sure my mom is okay, figure out what's going on. So Vera and her girlfriend travel to LA and they get there and Vera immediately realizes that Her girlfriend has a vastly different upbringing than her own because that family is like ostentatiously, exceedingly wealthy. And they're kind of messed up as a result, like, you know, just very um, dysfunctional, rich, wealthy family that like they all know that Vera Kelly is the girlfriend, but nobody wants to acknowledge it. And it's super awkward. They have a really, really awkward day. Um, They go to bed. They're staying at the girlfriend's family's house. And when Vera wakes up the next morning, her girlfriend is gone. And her family is acting like they have no idea what happened to her. So obviously, alarm bells are ringing. Vera doesn't have, like, a lot of resources or money. She's a New York City girl who is trying to solve the mystery of what happened to her girlfriend in L.A., which is a completely different um, city that she's used to. And yeah, it was a really, you know, tense mystery. Um, I really like these series because I love Vera Kelly's character. Liberty mentioned that you heard that this might be the last Vera Kelly book, which is very sad for me because I would read like 50 more of these books. Yeah, but you never know what happens. You never know. Hopefully, hopefully we just like put it out to the world. We want more Vera Kelly. But the um, first two books are very much like high stakes mysteries thrillers where like the conflict is very much outside of like vera's personal life and she is you know just investigating big things um that are happening around her um and this mystery is like really personal because her girlfriend the woman she loves is missing and i really like that shift to a very personal mystery so that is vera kelly lost and found by rosalie connect i highly recommend this trilogy and you should definitely start out with who is vera kelly they're so great yes i think i actually picked up the first one because of you so thank you all right i'm just i'm uh you know brushing off my shoulder you just can't see me (laughs) so my next pick for today is tree thieves crime and survival in north america's woods by Lindsay borgen this is 
a look at the billion-dollar timber black market in the Pacific Northwest, which was not something that I knew existed. Uh, you don't think about people stealing trees. You think about them stealing cars and diamonds, but not trees. Although, in this book, you'll learn that that's a lot more complicated than it originally sounds. She just looked into uh, these three specific timber poaching cases uh, about the illegal timber market and explains how so much of what we have is probably made from illegal timber. And she talked to tree poachers and the law enforcement that catch them. And she talks to forensic wood specialists, which were, you know, not something that I knew existed until then. I just, I love like, nonfiction because you just always learn things. It's so much fun. You learn things from fiction too, but you know, I always feel like I don't read enough nonfiction and then I'm like, oh, I'm learning so much. My brain, it's amazing. But it's just, it's amazing because, you know, these, these trees that are being taken are older than everything else on earth, basically. And, you know, we need them and the wildlife needs them, but also some of what's being taken, you know, involves groups that, you know, were, um, from marginalized communities and indigenous communities and, you know, communities that were here long ago. And so poaching is not exactly like, you know, what we think it is for some communities and how that is so complicated when it comes to the removal of trees. It's just, it's really, really, really fascinating. I could add like 10 times the relays there because I just, I thought it was so interesting. And I'm... So for murder-free true crime lately, like there are a million amazing true crime books that involve deaths and, and the victims should definitely, you know, be recognized. But also there are so many great books, you know, if you don't want to read about, you know, people being harmed, they're, they're not victimless crimes, these, you know, murder-free true crime books, obviously, but like The Feather Thief and then there's The Truffle Underground, which was about the truffle black market, which I think I talked about on the show a while back. I love a murderless true crime book. I love all books. <laughs> I feel silly sometimes when I'm like, I love these kind of books because it's like, you love everything, <laughs> you know? I'm like the life commercial. But this one is just so good. It's called Tree Thieves, Crime and Survival in North America's Woods by Lindsay Borgen. I'm with you. I also feel like I don't read enough nonfiction. And I like reading about the nonviolent true crimes because usually they're like the these like, I don't know. Murder is something that we kind of, I don't know, are almost immune to. Like, we, we just know yeah. that it happens. But, like, you hear about these, like, wild stories of, like, people did what? And yeah. I think that they're really fascinating. And, I mean, I had no idea that, like, you know, lumber heists were a thing until you start talking about this book. <laughs> um, and it reminds me of my partner was telling me about this podcast that they were listening to about, like, California nut heists like there have been like millions of dollars of thefts and like cashews and almonds and I was like yeah I've never heard of that before and it's wild but it's like this huge million dollar crime and I'm like why why isn't there like a documentary about this like it's fascinating yeah if it exists there's probably like heists and a black market for it you know in general there's you know yes. there's definitely like a book black market there was probably like a beanie baby black market you know at one point um which <laughs> probably doesn't exist now but who knows um one of our coworkers shared a photo of her daughter who's one 
playing with her beanie babies and she was like, no longer worth anything. Child can drool all over them or something like <laughs> yes. that. It was pretty funny. So, <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, so the beanie babies, which as a short aside, there's a very fascinating documentary about the beanie baby. Like, Is there? There is. I'm trying to remember what it's on. I don't remember what it's called. I think it might be on HBO Max, but it's like a one hour documentary. Oh. And it was really interesting because I was like a kid during this time. So I remember being like wanting to get all the beanie babies but also being like i want to play with them and people being like you can't play with these they're going to be valuable and like no they're not so (laughs) it was interesting Uh, every time someone mentions beanie babies i think of that image of the couple in court who were divorcing and like splitting them up like they they couldn't decide who got them (laughs) so like the judge has there's this giant pile in the middle of the courtroom and they're like each bringing them to the side oh my gosh it's like wow yeah, imagine, like, being a judge and being like, I have to go decide who gets what Beanie Babies today at work. <laughs> I bet that's, like, a lot of the work that you do. Like, if you're, I'm sure. If you're overseeing a divorce case. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, my second pick for today is Lucy Yee is Not a Romantic by Lauren Ho. And it is about Lucy Yee, who is a late 30-something woman. She's very successful. Um, She's from Singapore, but at the start of the book, she's living in New York City for a short period um, for her job. And she, at the beginning of the book, goes to this, like, upscale baby store. Like, you know, baby supply store, not, like, going and buying babies. But she has, like, this breakdown as she's trying to buy some gifts for her friend who just had babies. And it kind of, like, is this reckoning that she needs to realize that even though she's single, um, she really wants to be a mom. And she is running out of time because I think she's, like, 38. She's in her late 30s. And she's like, okay, I've got to make this happen. Otherwise, it'll never happen. And for various, like, personal and cultural reasons... Um, she doesn't want to go like the anonymous sperm donor route. So what she does is she signs up for this website that matches potential co-parents. And then, you know, if you like this person and you can come up with an agreement, um, you can make a baby together and then you co-parent. And so um, she has like this really wonderful connection with a man named Colin who seems like really perfect in all ways and they meet and they go on these like non-romantic dates that sort of feel romantic because they're deciding like should we have a kid together and what would that look like and he's kind of like the perfect guy for her but she's not thinking about him in terms of like this is a man I want to you know date and marry this is like no this is a man I want to have a kid with And so through a series of mishaps, she kind of comes to this realization that like, yeah, we're going to do this. So she they get pregnant and they move to Singapore, um, which is where she's from. And she wants to raise her kid. But of course, as she is pregnant and going through this whole process of um, people being really judgmental and not understanding why she would do this. Um, Her ex-fiancé is also reaching out to her and saying, like, hey, we really need to talk. I have something really important I need to tell you. And his revelation really throws Lucy for a loop. Um, So I really enjoyed this book. It was funny. I personally cannot imagine being a single person wanting to become a single parent just because, like, kids are a lot of work. But it was really interesting, and I really appreciated reading about somebody who 
took an unconventional path and who really like, chased after what she wanted. Um, in some ways, this book reminded me a lot of another book I really liked and recommended on the show called um, Serena Singh Flips the Script by Sonia Lali. And it's about um, a woman who actually does not want to get married and does not want to have kids. Um, but she's trying to find like friendship and companionship um, in her successful adult life. And both books are about women who are resisting conventional paths to happiness and find happiness in like the lives that they create for themselves. And I really, really liked that. And I just, I don't know, I like books that do that. Um, because even if these people are making choices that I myself am not interested in, I think we need, you know, just more examples of what that is like. And so I highly recommend this book. It is Lucy Yee is Not a Romantic by Lauren Ho. All right. So those are books that we have read and enjoyed. And now we are going to talk a little bit more about some of today's releases that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. And I'm going to kick it off with one that I got to hear the author talk about and immediately moved it to the top of my TBR. It is On Rotation by Charlene Abobi. And I'm told this is for fans of Grey's Anatomy, although I have actually never seen Grey's Anatomy, so I'm just putting that out there because I know <laughs> a lot of you have, obviously, or it wouldn't be on for 47 years or however long it's been on. Very long time. <laughs> but yeah, it's being pitched to fans of Grey's Anatomy and Seven Days in June, and this is Obobi's debut novel, and part of what intrigues me about it is that it's about a Ghanaian-American physician and Shirlene Abobi herself is a Ghanaian-American physician, so she must know her stuff. Like, if you're going to write about a doctor, like, having a doctor do it sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> so this is about a woman named Angela who considers herself to be the perfect immigrant daughter. She's enrolled in medical school, she has a very successful rich boyfriend, and she has a lot of friends. But then it all starts to fall apart at once. Her boyfriend dumps her, she fails her exam, and her friends are kind of pulling away from her. And so she's trying to figure out, like, what she's going to do because, you know, her parents are going to basically freak out when they find out. And, you know, is their approval something that she needs to get through her life? Is this what she really wants to do? And then to complicate matters, she meets a handsome man named Ricky, and he is, like, everything that she doesn't think she wants and so but like for some reason she's still drawn to him so it sounds really fun and like i said you know i love a book where the person writing about it is like an expert in what they're writing about you know like like angie kim did miracle creek and she was a lawyer and she wrote about you know a lawyer in a courtroom and i was like that's awesome i don't really know what i would be able to write about i guess books books would be about it books and yeah that's it and kitties Kid my kitties, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to read a novel about my cats. <laughs> you know, they would definitely be the villains in that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm very excited to read this and hope to get to it soon. It is On Rotation by Charlene Abobi. Oh, it sounds really good. And I have watched, like, every season of Grey's Anatomy. And I hear you about, like, just the authenticity. Because I don't know how many times I've watched Grey's Anatomy. And my mom, who is a nurse, is like, you know that doctors don't actually perform MRIs themselves, right? And I'm like, mom, <laughs> they're having an important conversation in this room. I just need to, like, follow along. Um, so anyway... <laughs> All right. Um, my next um, book that I'm really excited to read is Epically Earnest by Molly Horan. And it is a queer YA retelling of the importance of being earnest. 
I love The Importance of Being Earnest. It is a fantastic play by Oscar Wilde. Um, if you have not read it, I mean, you should, you could read it. It's a really great play. It's very readable and it's very short. But also the movie adaptation is solid. It has Rupert Everett and Colin Firth. It's super excellent. So definitely give that a listen or not a listen. Give that a watch. Um, so this book is about a girl named Jane who, like in The Importance of Being Earnest, she's very famously as an infant found in a bag in a train station. Um, I know that sounds a little bit wild, but that's where we start. Um, so her whole thing is growing up. She is adopted. She doesn't know um, who her biological family is. And now that she's a teenager, her best friend is giving her this misguided sort of encouragement to go find her biological family. And then, of course, um, as a protagonist, she's also falling in love with her best friend's beautiful cousin um, named Gwen Fairfax and hijinks ensue. I mean, I'm assuming so because that is what happens in the original play. But I'm super excited for this one because I think the importance of being earnest is like one of my favorite sort of classic I mean, it's not a novel, it's a play, but like one of my favorite classic stories that is um, maybe just like a little bit overlooked or underappreciated. I read The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde in high school and I hated it, but I love this play. So um, this is going to be a good book, I think. And I am going to make sure that I have a copy as soon as possible. So it is Epically Earnest by Molly Horn. All right. So my next pick is We Can Never Leave This Place by Eric LaRocca. And this actually comes out on June 24th, not on the usual Tuesday new release day. It's coming out a few days after. But I want to read this because his book last year, Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke, uh, was published by a very small press and was phenomenally successful, sold out. I'm not even sure if they did more printings, but it got picked up by a larger publisher and is going to be re-released this September. And they also re-released his first book, which is called You've Lost a Lot of Blood. These titles are wild and so fantastic. And they now all have the, these sort of connected, melty Francis Bacon Pope-like painting covers. If you don't know Francis Bacon paintings, you, you're just going to have to trust me. Um, he's an excellent, excellent, excellent artist. Horrible person. I love him. And this one is... These are all novellas, I believe. And this one is about a young girl whose father dies and her mother welcomes a new man into their home claiming that he can protect him from the world of devastation and destruction that is coming. And I'm going to guess that that's probably not really the case. I, myself, was unable to get a copy of Things Have Gotten Worse since we last spoke before it went out of print. Um, so I'm really looking forward to reading that in September, too. And yeah, I just love a little, you know, small publisher success story. So I'm very excited about all of these. And, and I believe they're all like horror, weird horror books, which is my jam. So um, this one coming out on June 24th is called We Can Never Leave This Place by Eric LaRocca. Mm, I love a good evocative title. All right, my next pick is A Year to the Day by Robin Benway. And Robin Benway is, of course, the National Book Award winning author of Far From the Tree. Um, this is her first book since Far From the Tree. And I'm really intrigued by it because it's got a couple of like interesting elements that 
as a reader and a writer, I'm like, dang, how, how do you pull that off? So it is a book about Leo. And she a year ago was at a party with her sister and her sister's boyfriend. And as they left the party, um, her sister was tragically killed in a drunk driving um, car accident. And she doesn't have a lot of memories about like what exactly happened from like the time that they left the party to the time of the accident. Um, But she finds out that her sister's um, boyfriend remembers everything and he refuses to tell her what happened. Um, So the other twist about this book is that it is told in reverse chronological order, which you know, you read a lot of books that have like flashbacks, but reverse chronological order is like a next level sort of like brain twisty, I guess, I don't know, it's like quite a device, but like just a, a method of telling a story that I'm like, how, how do you do that? Um, So I'm really excited because I think she's a fantastic author and I'm sure she's gonna just like blow me away with how she pulls this off. I think I've only read one other YA book that is told in reverse chronological order, and that was Genuine Fraud by E. Lockhart. But anyway, I'm really excited for A Year to the Day. Um, That is by Robin Benway, and I'll be curious to see how she pulls it off. As someone who saw Memento in the theater seven times, um, (laughs) I'm a big fan of things told in reverse chronological order, which doesn't happen very often probably because it's quite difficult to pull off as you said yeah Um, you know there are a lot of books like starting with say the secret history where they're like here's the person who's dead we're the people who did it and now we're gonna take you back to that and like there's something magical in being able to like give away the ending and still keep people intrigued yes until you get there you know there are a lot of books like that but there's not a lot of books that are like you know i think i read one by megan miranda i think one of her first books goes backwards in order okay a girl's sister, I think. Um, but it's, it's a it's a pretty hard thing to pull off, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm. I, it really worked in the E. Lockhart book I read because mm-hmm. the mystery is like what really happened like a year ago, and yeah, and it was really. I mean, I think you really have to have like a strong sense of like the emotional story because it can't just yeah. be about like the events. It has to be like. You know, how does the reader's understanding of the events affect the emotion of the story? But yeah, I'm really excited because, yeah, you just don't see it very often. So now we are going to have our paperback release lightning rounds. But before we do that, we are going to hear from another sponsor. All right. So now, like, I want to tell you about paperbacks, but now I'm also trying to imagine if you could take, like, a classic story and tell it backwards and have it work. Like, could you tell Hamlet backwards? Like, I mean, not necessarily Hamlet. He's kind of a whiny baby. I don't particularly enjoy Hamlet, but that's like the first thing that popped into my head. Could you tell a Shakespeare story backwards, like, and make it work? You know, I'm interested. But moving on, there are so many amazing paperbacks out today. And I get very excited because there are so many books that I want to tell everyone about every time. And either I don't get to them or, you know, we only talk about so many books. So this is like an amazing chance to mention some more books that I was really excited about. Um, a lot of the times, if I can't decide what books I'm going to talk about on the show, I put a bunch of them in a hat and, like, pick them. So, like, some of these are ones that I read and didn't get to talk about or ones that I was really excited about. So, here we go. Tears are you buckled in? I'm buckled in. I'm ready. Okay. We're going to start with In the Quick by Kate Hope Day, which I talked about on the March 2nd show. And I mentioned in the shows that 
Uh, we talked about some of these on just in case you want to go back and hear more about it, because I'm just going to give you like one sentence. So, you know, do a little research and you can check it out. Uh, so In the Quick is about Jane, who is a young girl who is accepted into a space academy uh, that was founded by her uncle, who is a genius. And she is also a genius and she wants to be an astronaut. And also she's pretty sure she knows where a missing spaceship is that the space shuttle, I should say that lost contact and no one else knows where it is and they don't believe her. So she's going to figure that out. Um, this was one of my favorite books of last year. I loved this book. Also, The Ones Who Don't Say They Love You, another excellent title. These are stories by Maurice Carlos Ruffin, which I talked about on the August 17th show. This is a fantastic collection of short stories set in New Orleans. The War for Gloria by Atticus Lish. This made a bunch of the best of the year lists last year. It's about a teen whose estranged father enters his life after his mother is diagnosed with a serious illness. Lesson in Red by Maria Hummel. This is a companion to the novel Still Lives, which was a Reese's Book Club pick, and it's out from Counterpoint, one of my favorite small presses. All the Water I've Seen is Running by Elias Rodriguez. This is a debut novel about a group of classmates dealing with the death of a friend in northern Florida. Filthy Animals, Stories by Brandon Taylor. Taylor is the author of the novel Real Life, which we all love. And this is a series of linked stories that was the winner of the Story Prize and shortlisted for the Dylan Thomas Prize. Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney. This is a thriller about a couple who take a trip for their 10th anniversary, and they are going to find out that they don't really know anything about each other. I'm excited because I read Feeney's novel Daisy Darker, which is coming out on August 30th, and the publisher uh, used a section of the thing I wrote about it um, for the advertising, and it just says banana pants. <laughs> like Of my whole review, they, they chose that one word. And that succinct, succinct... Let me see if I can say this word again. Succinctly kind of sums <laughs> it up. You know, Daisy Darker, completely banana pants. Excited for everyone to read it. There's Wayward by Dana Spiata, which I think I'm going to read from the publisher's blurb for this one because it d tells it the best. It's about a woman who is 52 and finds herself staring into the mids that hour of supreme wakefulness between three and four in the morning in which women of a certain age suddenly find themselves contemplating motherhood, mortality, and in this case, the state of our unraveling nation. I am a big, big fan of Dana Spiata, so I'm very excited about this one. The Thousand Crimes of Ming Su by Tom Lin, which I talked about on the June 1st show. Uh, this is a speculative Western about a Chinese-American assassin whose wife is kidnapped by a robber baron and he sets out across the lands to rescue her. Everyone Knows Your Mother is a Witch by Rivka Galchin, which I discussed on the June 8th show. This is historical fiction set in Germany in 1618 and is based on the true story of astronomer Johannes Kepler's mother who was accused of witchcraft. Moving on to nonfiction, there's On Animals by Susan Orlean, which is a series of essays on, wait for it, <laughs> animals... Orlean writes fabulous nonfiction. Uh, you might know The Library or The Orchid Thief, which was made into a film called Adaptation, which was not really anything like the book, but was fun nonetheless. You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. We talked about this on the January 12th show. And Amber Ruffin is a writer and performer on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and she writes about the absurd anecdotes and everyday experiences of racism that she and her sister Lacey experience. Uh, I haven't read this, but there's also something funny, I guess, about how 
Amber trolled her sister by showing up in the same dress as <laughs> as Lacey, like, which is just hilarious and sounds like something siblings would do. There's Glory Days, the summer of 1984, and the 90 Days that Changed Sports and Culture Forever by L. John Wertheim. And I'm going to just read to you uh, what this book covers because it's amazing how many things happen in these 90 days. So the summer of 1984 was a watershed moment in the birth of modern sports when the nation watched Michael Jordan grow from college basketball player to professional athlete and star. That summer also saw ESPN's rise to media dominance as the country's premier sports network and the first modern commercialized profitable Olympics. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird's rivalry raged. Martina Navratilova and John McEnroe reigned in tennis. And Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon made pro wrestling a business. That's a lot going on in 90 days. Mm -hmm. I have a copy of that one. I haven't read it yet. I definitely want to get to it. There's Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes, essays by Phoebe Robinson, which I talked about on the September 28th show. We love Phoebe Robinson here at Book Riot, and she's so funny. She did Two Dope Queens. She's also the best-selling author of You Can't Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain, and Everything's Trash, But It's Okay, which are both fabulously funny collections of essays, as is this one. There's Wake, The Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts by Rebecca Hall, illustrated by Hugo Martinez. This is a nonfiction graphic novel about women who planned and led revolts on slave ships during the Middle Passage and fought their enslavers throughout the Americas. And in YA, and speaking of series that go beyond the trilogy that was planned, uh, there's The Box in the Woods by Maureen Johnson. This is the fourth book in the truly devious, I guess they call it series now, I was going to say trilogy, there was an original (laughs) trilogy. This one is now the fourth in the series, which is... Like, the trilogy wraps up. Like, it's a complete story. Um, So this is, like, in the same kind of location, but not actually related to the first few books. But I loved it. And there's also going to be a fifth one coming on December 27th called Nine Liars, which I'm very excited about. And in paperback originals today, we have Good Morning Love by Ashley M. Coleman, which is about a young woman who is a musician and songwriter hoping to follow in her father's musical footsteps. Fake It Till You Bake It by Jamie Wesley, which is about a reality star and a cupcake-baking football player who are going to pretend that they are a couple in order to save his business. And Finding Perfect, a novella by Colleen Hoover, which is the fourth in the Hopeless series, in which I mention because we are living in the age of Colleen Hoover. Like, For real. If, you, if you're not familiar with Colleen Hoover, you know, she kind of has been propelled into legendary status on book talk and like all of her novels are on the New York times bestseller list right now. And it's just really, it's really amazing. I mean, people I know very well and and not so well, you know, um, and people I know who are not big readers are asking me like, do you have any Colleen Hoover books I can borrow? Do you have the galleys for the new ones? And it's just, it's amazing. Like I can't imagine what it must be like to be Colleen Hoover right now and just like have all your catalog explode like this. I mean, do you like keep, do you write as much as you can like right now to get them out there, you know, or do you just like sit back and like savor this? Like, like what do you do? I know it's, it's really intense. And like, I think that it's kind of, it has to be incredibly gratifying to have your entire backlist just, you know, all of a sudden be super you know, popular, because I think a lot of times it's like, you expect like, okay, the newest book, or like you have that one book and everyone's like, no, right. everything. So that's amazing. Yeah. And and I don't think I'm mistaken. I think I heard she has like, maybe I'm mistaken, like 20 
20 books on the New York Times bestseller list right now. It seems insane, but I also would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Book talk is not a place that I have visited yet. Mostly because I don't like to make videos of myself, one, which you don't have to do, but, you know, I just don't like to make videos. And two, I'm worried if I, you know, start using it that that's just more of my reading time that I'm taking away. You know, I already have so many things that I'm like, ah, I must be reading. But instead, I'm like playing video games, and watching <laughs> basketball games. And that's just like another thing that I'm like, oh, should be reading. So, but I love what it's doing for books. It's great. Yes, it's amazing. All right. So those are our new books. Those are our paperback releases. What are you going to read next? I have been really enjoying my recent reread of my favorite fantasy trilogy of all time, which is The Lumetier Chronicles by Melina Marchetta. It's been a few years, so it's like hitting that sweet spot of like, I know I love these books, but also I've forgotten details because it's been so long and I'm rereading these and it's so fun to like read them and see all the connections and all the clues that are laid throughout and also just get to live with these characters again. So I just finished Finnegan of the Rock and now I'm reading Freud of the Exiles. Um, and I'm just yeah, really loving those. So if you've not read them, I highly recommend them. And then I'm also going to be picking up The Gifts That Bind Us by Caroline O'Donoghue, which is the sequel to All Our Hidden Gifts, um, which is like this Irish set sort of witchy mystery. And I really enjoyed the first book. So I'm excited about the second book. And a little while back, I accidentally sent you on a crusade regarding the Marchetta. Yes. Marchetta? I did it wrong. I think it's Marchetta, but I, you know. I said it right the first time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, you did, because you were the one to tell me that Finnegan is out of print, which made me so sad. Yeah. Yeah, it happens, though. It does, unfortunately. And I actually, because this is like how intense I am about these books, I emailed the publisher and I was like, hey, so could you like please keep it in print? Because I love it so much and I recommend it all the time. And like, you know, not that they have to listen to me, but I'm like, hey. Like, people do listen to me sometimes about books. So maybe, like, you keep them in print. <laughs> and and they I got this big, very polite, personalized email back that was like, we're going to be having a meeting about, like, reprint status. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it at the meeting. And I haven't heard anything more since then. But it is still available as an um, e-book and an e-audio book. And the audio books are great. Like, I have a friend who rereads the audio books every year. Um, so definitely, if you can like, find it at your library or if you want to read the e-book, I highly highly recommend them. They are just absolutely incredible. And, you know, Melina Marquette is an Australian author who's won awards in Australia. She's won awards here in the U.S. Um, her writing is just brilliant. All right. I myself am starting The Force of Such Beauty by Barbara Borland, which comes out on July 19th, which is about a woman who becomes the princess of a very tiny little kingdom, like for real. And also The Strange Inheritance of Leah Fern by Rita Zoe Chin, which comes out October 4th, which is about a young woman who is born at a carnival and is searching for her missing mother. Mm. And that is it for today. We are done with our Deja Vu podcast. <laughs> I'm like, it's weird. I'm like, do I tell the same jokes? Like, know. Do, you know, can I like correct some things that I said wrong? Like, yeah, but we made it. We made it through oh, the whole thing. We made it. 
And so we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online. Tirza hangs out on Twitter and Instagram at Tirza Price. That's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. I mostly hang out on uh, I almost said Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. But speaking of Spotify, uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, maybe from the black market, and you can <laughs> leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and we appreciate it so much. And don't forget, we are hiring a digital marketing manager. You can see the position at bookriot.com slash join us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading!